Great for all you soccer fans. Uh, Steve, it's still 0 0. Who's playing? <laughs> What's that? Germany, Mexico. I figured you'd be interested. <laughs> all righty. I just want to thank everyone that prayed for us uh, this past week. Uh, Rebecca and I were in Costa Rica for, uh, actually, we were actually there three days. Where we five, it takes a day to get there, a day to get back, uh, tending to some things with Rebecca's mom. It's um, one of those seasons of life that we're in, and some of you have experience with elderly parents. Rebecca's mom is 98 uh, and is... uh, declining quickly and so we spent our days uh, uh, tending to some of her needs and and trying to sort things out for for her well-being and um, it was full days intense days and we do appreciate uh, your prayer support we could feel that during the days and that we were there we'll be going along with the uh, youth mission team in july but rather than be with the youth team doing the outreach and the training and all of that, we're going to spend that time with Rebecca's mom again. Um, gives us a couple of weeks to put together a game plan here. and Just pray that, you would give, that God would give us wisdom, uh, would give us um, uh, capacity to sort the kinds of things out that need to be sorted out for uh, her mom's uh, well-being. Uh, we appreciate that prayer. Today is Father's Day, and the focus has been on God as Heavenly Father. Earthly fathers also have uh, we have a variety of different experiences of how we have functioned as fathers. Hopefully, most of us who are fathers have improved over time. It doesn't always happen. All of us have fathers who gave different kinds of examples. and I sit with fathers, often I sit with fathers, and I hear stories of shortcomings. I sit with moms, and I hear the shortcomings of their fathers. And uh, It's a reality of life. None of us measures up to what our kids really want, really wish for, really desire. At the same time, we can all grow and we can all change and we can become more of the kind of fathers that God intended us and expects us to be. One of the things, though, that I keep coming, keep hearing, when I sit with dads especially and single moms, parents in general, actually, is the responsibility that we feel about providing for our families. As, uh, as pastors, we hear about needs that come up, a shortfall when there's not enough uh, to cover bills. And, and that's the easiest kind of conversation that people seem to have with pastors. Uh, I've been blessed that I've been able to have other kinds of conversations as well. The kind of conversations that lead individuals, that lead families into a better place financially, a better place of being able to provide for their families. Provision is a big, big issue. Um, I've sat, I'm one that I really don't mind talking about money. It's important. It's very important. And you think about all that we face as families. And if all we talk about is when there is a need, when there is a shortfall, when things aren't working out the way we would like it, to work out. We never are able to get to that place where God's provision 
is adequate, where we step into and begin to function in God's economy, not just our own. I've been blessed to be able to sit with people who have started businesses, people who are have been functioning successfully in businesses, people not only here in at Good Shepherd, but persons across our network, people in other countries. The last time we were in Mexico, the uh, biggest request was to teach on how we can function in God's economy because people have needs everywhere. And yet the principles that we have in Scripture about money, about finances, are principles that are not just for the wealthy are not just for those who live in a place and in, in, in circumstances where they are they are well off. In fact, the principles that we have in Scripture are established for a people who were struggling. They're principles that were set in place during times of slavery. They're principles that were set in place during times of great oppression. They're principles that were set in place during drought when there was great. Uh, uh, um, Escasez, help me in English now. Uh, there's a great lack of about anything and everything that's needed just to make ends meet, just to get through to tomorrow. <clears throat> we go through the Psalms, we go through the Old Testament. We see the psalmist writing about those moments when there's not enough. We see the, the Old Testament stories of how God's provision often seem to be not quite what people were hoping for. And yet the principles that we have, that we use sometimes in our context, that can be taken and understood as being something that is for those who have enough, for those who have some wealth, for those who are uh, better off, actually were principles that are established in, principle, in, in Scripture for those who lack, for those who just can't make ends meet, for those who are struggling with life financially. And so I'm going to share this morning is something very similar to what I've shared in other places, places of great need in Mexico, in Kenya, in, uh, and uh, uh, where else? Haiti, too. Is, uh, I haven't been to Haiti, but these are principles that would work in Haiti. Uh, they worked in, 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 in this first church that we started. And I've told you about this church. It was a town of about 3,000, 80% uh, dropout rate from high school. Um, during the harvest season, people would go and they'd follow the harvest. But the other seven or eight months of the year, nobody had employment unless you were a spiritist surgeon, which isn't a great way to make a living. Uh, they were wealthy, but, you know, that's not, uh, we don't recommend that. And yet, as we began to teach these principles, we began to see people prosper in that town, dusty town with no jobs, people with minimal education, as we began to follow these principles that Scripture has, not for the wealthy, but for those who have not yet entered into God's economy, we saw their lives turn around and change financially. I'm going to talk about three things this morning. And these three things are basic for being able to operate in God's economy. Tithes, offerings, and seed money. And you say, well, tithes, that's something that we should give. Maybe there's, there's certain teaching in the church today that maybe we shouldn't be tithing. That's Old Testament. The New Testament doesn't require that. Well, let me just tell you something. The tithe is a principle that isn't necessarily just for God's people. The tithe is a principle that God has established. And that when people follow that principle, whether they believe in God or not, God blesses it because He established that principle. This is like gravity. It's not just for God's people. It's for everybody. And this principle is like gravity. It really does work. I remember the first time I ran across that. It was a, uh, a church in Costa Rica. I was out on the West Coast, and, and I, I was uh, moved out there. I was staying with a, uh, the pastor of, of, of a church. And Monday morning, uh, this guy came around and, and, uh, and gave the pastor an envelope. And I was like, oh, that's okay. Uh, and the pastor said, that's, that's his tithe. The next week, Monday morning, I came and did the same thing again. And he did that week after week. After about, after about five or six weeks, I asked the pastor, well, 
you know, I don't ever see this guy in church. What's up with him? Oh, he doesn't believe in Jesus, but he knows a tithe works. And so he's this wealthy farmer. He started out with a small farm, and he learned about tithing, and he began to tithe. And as he tithed to the church, even though he didn't believe in Jesus, didn't believe in God as basically an atheist, he understood the principle of tithing, and he would faithfully tithe to the church. And God prospered him. That blew me away because I, I, I just didn't understand the fact that this is not just a principle for God's people. It's a principle for people who want to live in God's economy, whether or not they trust God. You go through the Old Testament, and again, there's so many times when God's people would turn away from God, and yet as they would follow the, the, these laws... Uh, and, and you say, well, it's just the laws, religious laws of tithing and things like that. God continued to prosper them. And you go, how do, can that be? Isn't this just for God's people? You see, if God just wanted to bless his people and no one else, the rain would not fall on the just and the unjust. If God just wanted to bless people who were faithful to him, there would be no need for something like these principles that I'm going to talk about because, hey, if you follow Jesus and you love God and, and, and you're a disciple, he blesses you and your neighbor who doesn't won't get blessed. But for some reason, God established a principle that works for anybody who wants to use it. It's an amazing thing. What I'm talking about here isn't about if you trust God and follow these principles. It's just, here's a crazy, crazy thing about what I'm going to talk about. These are principles that work whether or not you follow God. We had a, a president before the one we have now that uh, uh, all, kinds of, uh, all kinds of opinions about him. But one of the things that struck me when he gave his, uh, the, the, his uh, financial, President Obama gave his financial, uh, pu- his finances public, was that I calculated, I went in there and looked to see what he gave to the local church, and you can think what you want about that church. He was giving 10% of his income to that local church. And you go, and you watch the trajectory of his life from where he came and where he is now, and, and, and God blesses that. God blesses it. This isn't a judgment about President Obama, and it's not a judgment about his church. It's a judgment about God's principles in action. Oh. If you have questions, I'd be glad to talk with you about this. I've got more stories about how this works. I've seen it over and over and over. But just a few things as we get into the theme. First of all, just some principles. Just, just some, some uh, to acknowledge some things about tithing, about offerings, and about seed money. First of all, God is a generous God who desires that we prosper. God doesn't take any joy in His people or anybody who lives on the face of this earth to live in poverty, to have lack, to not have enough. God has no joy in that. See, if, if we say God is, you know, there's something about if we aren't sure that God wants us to prosper, then we have to, then what basically what we're saying is that God has joy in seeing people suffer. He has no joy in that. He wants us to prosper. And we can go into, there's all kinds of scripture we can get into on, on, on these first number of things, but I just want to go over this quickly. He wants us to prosper so that we can reflect his character as generous people. That, <coughs> that's where the difference is between like the farmer that I talked about in Costa Rica and those who trust and follow God. The farmer was doing it because he wanted to get wealthy. Okay, he got wealthy. God's people follow these patterns, follow these principles, because God wants us to model the generosity that he has, to be generous like God is generous. You see, God is a generous God. God owns a cattle in a thousand hills and all these other uh, Bible verses that we could refer to that everything belongs to God. And God has a generous spirit. The whole 
process of Jesus coming to this earth was comes from the generous heart of God. And God wants us as his people to be generous like he is. He wants us to reflect his character. The problem is that we live in a me first culture. And people are always chasing after something for nothing. We've gotten all kinds of uh, uh, the advertising you watch. Anything that says free, people will go and flock to it. Doesn't matter that they jacked up the fright, uh, that, that 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 they jacked up the price, and what they have is uh, is some stuff that's left over, and it's free because of you know why is it free? Uh, Thanksgiving rolls around and suddenly the turkeys are 29 cents a pound because they want you to go in there and buy the expensive stuff that goes with the turkey. There's always a catch. There's always a hook. Two for the price of one. You don't need two, but you get them because, well, you buy one, get half off on the second one. And so you only need one and you go and buy one and a half and you spend the extra money. You know, there's always a hook. There's always a catch. But we fall for it all the time because what we, we're, we're always chasing after something for nothing. Anything that looks like we're getting something for less than what it's worth or less than what the value is. This draws people in and people get sucked in and people get taken advantage of because of we're gullible. We want something for nothing. God's plan to prosper us and create an environment of generosity starts with trusting God and giving tithes, offerings, and seed money. Let me tell you something. I've talked with many people who tithe. I've yet to talk to somebody who actually tithes, who says, I'd rather not. I don't like this. I want to stop. This isn't a good idea for me. The first church that we started people would start coming and they had very little income or no income and they'd scrape uh, you know they'd they'd do whatever they needed to to scrape enough money together to 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 get food on the table uh some tortillas maybe some beans and rice and 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 they lived on that they started to tithe and the people who started to tithe none of them ever stopped because it changed their finances. It was a doorway into God's economy and they began to discover God's provision in so many different ways that uh, it was just astonishing. I've told some of the stories and there's so many more I could tell from that, uh, from that period of time. But I've never met somebody who ties who wants to stop tithing. If anything, their desire is to give more because they realize that the more they give, it just adds it increases there's something about that kind of giving that takes us into uh, different levels different places in god's economy the issue that we all struggle with as we start thinking about tithing as we start thinking about giving is can we trust god during times of need and plenty See, during times of need, we don't have enough to give. During times of plenty, we start looking at it and say, oh, there's, this is a lot of money. It's like the old story that of, of the person who started to tithe. And, and uh, uh, they started giving. They weren't making much, and so they'd give a tithe out of you know, making 100 bucks a week. And so they gave the tithe 10 bucks. And then God began to prosper them and began to prosper them more and began to receive more income. And, 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 and they came when, when, when the tithe was 100 bucks instead of that's all they made. And began to, this guy began to complain to God. And God said, well... Uh, it's up to you. Do you want to go back to the way it was? Do you want to go back to when you only made a hundred bucks rather than giving the hundred bucks? See, it's pretty easy for us to, when we have plenty, to look at what we're giving and begrudge that tithe. Just as hard as it is sometimes when we have very little to start giving. When Rebecca and I got married. We were in a volunteer program making $35 a month and we gave three fifty as our tithe. During 18 months that we were in ministry with no income, we would receive money in the mail. It was enough to pay for our bills, but every time a check would come in, we never asked for it, but people would send it. 
God just poured out blessing on us. And every time a check would come in, I'd cut a check for 10% of whatever came in before we even spent that because I didn't want that to dry up. This is something that works. We've lived it. And it's not just for those who have it all or have plenty and lots to, to, uh, to work with. So let's look at what the Bible says here. Malachi 3, 7 to 12. Tithes and offerings. This is about joining God's economy. It's about making, taking a step from being in our own bubble of our own making, of our own economy, in which we make our own decisions and spend our money and end up in all kinds of difficult circumstances. Taking a step from that and joining God's economy. Malachi 3, 7 to 12 from the message. You have a long history of ignoring my commands. You haven't done a thing I've told you. Return to me so I can return to you, says God of the angel armies. You ask, but how do we return? Begin by being honest. Do honest people rob God? But you rob me day after day. You ask, how have we robbed you? The tithe and the offering, that's how. And now you're under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. Bring your full tithe to the temple treasury so there will be ample provisions in my temple. Test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. For my part, I will defend you against marauder. Okay, help me here. Very good. Protect your wheat fields and vegetable gardens against plunderers, the message of God of the angel armies. You'll be voted happiest nation. You'll experience what it's like to be a country of grace. God of the angel armies said so. The difference being... The difference between serving God and not serving Him. There's a comparison of what it's like to live in God's economy versus what it's like to live on our own terms. Well, we live on our own terms. Things are stolen. Things are plundered. We go through all kinds of of situations where everything that we have is stolen from us from one side or the other. We end up stealing from God because we're being stolen from. Because the Bible talks about the stealing from God being not tithing. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody is constantly stealing from you, how uh, likely are you going to be to bless them financially? Let's say that every time you get a uh, uh, you get paid, and uh, somehow in the process of getting paid, the uh, your, your boss, who's not the owner of the company, uh, he, he gets some money. It's in cash. And he pockets a portion of that. There are countries where this happens. And it's uh, when I tell this story uh, in certain countries, they're like, well, yeah, that's a reality. That's how we live. Kenya, India, other places. And he pockets a certain amount. And one day, this boss guy gets into financial difficulty. How likely do you think... The workers that he's been stealing from are going to take up a collection to help him out. Not very. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. And God, again, these are principles that are natural principles for everybody. On the other hand, those who are in God's economy have uh, uh, God's defense, God's protection. God's uh, uh, blessing, the promise of being the happiest nation, if you will. And that would be us as a people, those of us who are part of whatever uh, uh, that grouping would be of people who tithe uh, from their income. What is a tithe? Let's look at this. Leviticus 27, 30 to 32. 10% of everything you harvest is holy and belongs to me, whether it grows in your fields or your fruit trees. When you count your flocks and herds, one out of ten of every newborn animal is holy and belongs to me. Again, there are cultures where this is very real. I remember the first time I went with uh, Pastor Patrick out to the uh, uh, churches outside of Nakuru, the village churches. Very, very poor churches. And we went out there and uh, uh, ministered there in that church. Uh, you could see the stars through the roof. You could feel the wind through the walls. Uh, and, uh, and that was some of the uh, better uh, parts of the building. Uh, they had uh, seats that made you feel like it would probably be better just to stand and worship and stand to listen to, to the word because 
uh, it, they weren't real sturdy. Uh, but we, we, we went out there. And as we were leaving, a couple of people came, and uh, the two of them had a check and a piece. And they gave it to him, put him in the back of his van. That was their tithe. Apparently, they had 10 chickens, so they gave him one. That's a tithe. That would have been similar to what we have here. Now, we live in a cash society, a society in which everything is transacted with money. And so uh, we have to figure it out a little bit differently. Now, some of you have really great flowers, Matt. And, uh, you know, if, if, if maybe a tithe of your... <laughs> we need to talk. Uh, there, there are certain ones I really like. I was looking at some of the ones that Mark and Carla have. There's some really neat ones there, and I was counting them. They don't have 10 of any of the that, that I really like, so we'll have to uh, see, help them grow a little bit until he gets 10 of them because uh, it'd be nice to have one of those. We can buy them. Okay, there we go. I'm just trying to encourage this tithing to go beyond just the money stuff. Uh, if you bring a chicken, I'm not sure what we do with it. Uh, you can try it and see. Uh, we have great ushers. Uh, Jason would take care of that chicken in the barbecue next year. <laughs> I'm sure that, that that chicken would last until then. But the tithe is a regular reminder that everything belongs to God. And there's some Bible verses in here. I'm going to skim through the, these, these points because um, you can study this at home. But everything belongs to God. So every Sunday we have an offering. We receive tithes. We receive offerings. Um, we receive seed money sometimes. And every time we receive an offering, every time we give an offering, we might go online and, and, and just click online giving. But every time we do that, every time you write a check, every time you click online to give, it's a reminder, this is all God's stuff. It's so easy to lose track of that and start to think it's mine. It's mine to dispose of. It's mine to do as I wish. It's mine to do what I want to with what I have. I've got to figure out how to make ends meet because, well, obviously God's not going to help me. We don't actually say that last part. But when we take it all ourselves, in essence, we're saying, I'm not going to trust God to make up the difference. I'm not going to trust God to provide for my needs. That's kind of a rough one to be declaring. In fact, if you want to step into God's economy, you want God's blessing, that is not a declaration you want to be making. And so tithing is a regular reminder that everything belongs to God. Number two, tithing activates God's turning of financial curses to blessings. It's like priming the pump. And and we read this. This is out of Malachi 3, uh, 9, 10, and 12. Number three, tithing expands God's kingdom work. And we read that in 1 Corinthians 16. You give so that God's kingdom can expand, so that the work can continue, so that things can be done that need to have that kind of resources available. Tithing is a way to test God in ourselves, Malachi 3, 8 and 10. How do we test God? The Bible says test God. The only thing the Bible ever says test God about is his provision in response to our giving. Test God. Whether you believe in God or not, test God. <laughs> wow. Test Him. See what happens. Again, as I've talked with people, once they start tithing, and they test God, it's like, ooh, I don't want to stop this. God's provision is just, I, I, I don't want this to end. If anything, I want more. Test God. It also tests ourselves. Am I willing to trust God? Tithing is a practical heart test. Jesus says in Matthew and in Luke, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And tithing is a regular act of worship. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 to 8. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over. And make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. See, so often we get hooked into, sucked into giving to the latest sob story or to arm twisting. And 
There are some real needs sometimes. But there are also some, a lot of con jobs that pass themselves for real needs. And, and, and the Bible tells us very clearly, just think it through. Don't make emotional responses. Have a plan. Make decisions. If you don't have a plan, don't make decisions about where, what you're going to give and how you're going to give it and where you're going to give it. People are going to take advantage of your compassion, of a soft heart. Of, you know, and sometimes we get taken. It's better to give and be taken than to withhold and be hard-hearted. However, Scripture tells us, think it through. Make a plan. Don't get caught off guard when the sob stories start and the arm twisting gets going. All you have to do is, is uh, look at your mail, end of the year. There are days now when there's no mail in my mailbox, but starting right after Thanksgiving, I've got mail every day in my mailbox. It's amazing how many people think I'm wealthy. How many ministries and organizations think I've got all kinds of money? They're all asking me for it. Ever feel that way? And their arm twisting begins, and you even get phone calls. And, 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 and most of them, unfortunately you know, now, when some of the phone calls uh, look at to see who's calling, it comes up with this uh, uh, somebody named Scam Likely. And that tips me off. That really helps. That's been such a big, just don't answer that one. Before you just answer them and, and scam likely would, would you know, didn't know who, that it was scam likely and, and, and they'd represent themselves as being with, with a fraternal order police even. And, and you track it down, you go, that's not going to any police anything. Uh, they use these things that seem legitimate. The Bible says, pay attention. Uh, protect. This will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. God's been faithful to us. God's been faithful. He provides. For the last number of years, as Rebecca's mom has declined, the cost that's related to that has gone up. We need to go to Costa Rica to take care of things there. And, and that's never cheap. And so we have to make these trips. And now we're at a point where instead of once or twice a year, we're needing to go uh, more often. We went just last week. And, 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 and God provided plane tickets that were uh, in, astonishingly, astonishingly inexpensive. It just blew us away. I went online to look for a car. got one for $4 a day. I got a nice hotel for less than an Airbnb would have cost where we've stayed before. God provided. I mean, you just start adding the numbers and you go, how can this be? How does this work? God provides. He always has. And because He always has, I trust that He always will. See, Where are we here? Um, let's just move on down here. How do you figure the amount of your tithe? You move the decimal point over one place to the left, not the right. That'd be, that wouldn't work out very well. Just move the decimal point over to the left. Okay. And these are questions I've had in the last three months. People had these questions and I sat down and we talked about it and if you have questions just ask me well I, I don't mind getting a cup of coffee and talking about money talking about God's blessing talking about how you know whatever it is that that you're dealing with related to finance another one has been should this be calculated from the gross or take-home pay um, the Bible talks about fruit and chickens you know so I'm not sure it's very clear about gross or take-home pay. Seek the Lord. Let Him tell you. Uh, don't, don't worry about it. It's a matter of making a decision and sticking to it. What does it mean to bring your tithe to the temple treasury? Well, that basically means to give your tithe where you have your spiritual covering. 
in our case. Uh, our spiritual covering is in the Hopewell Network, and so our tithe goes to the Hopewell Network. What we give here in the congregation is offerings and, and uh, uh, seed money sometimes through our giving here. Another one is, can I start by giving a lower percentage and increase it over time? Of course. See, God delights in people taking steps of faith, of moving toward what God, uh, God's uh, best is for us. It's not like one day we, we, we start following Jesus and, and become just like Jesus. In fact, it's a process that goes through life of every year, every day, hopefully becoming a bit more like Jesus. And so the same thing would go for something like this. You don't haven't been giving uh, much. Now set a percentage and start. Just start doing it. And, and, and see what happens. Make a plan. Get started. Take a step. That's what the Bible is calling for. A couple other questions. What's the difference between tithes and offerings? Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. Some give freely and still get richer, while others are stingy but grow still poor. The person who blesses others will prosper. He who satisfies others will be satisfied himself. Four things. Offerings are giving above and beyond our tithe. Our tithe goes to the network. But in addition to that, we want to give offerings. We want to give more than. We want to bless in ways that uh, are beyond what our tithing is. And so we give every month. We'll give to the congregation here. And we have set an amount that we give every month. No matter how much we make, we'll give the same amount. But then there's special offerings. And there are different things that come along uh, that, that we just feel to give. And whenever there is a special offering, we like to give. And again, normally have a set amount. And the more special offerings there are, the more we give. We go to other countries and, and, and we give offerings there. And normally when we go, we'll, uh, uh, and before we leave, I'll give a, an, an offering to the apostolic leader of that country. And, and, and often that's more than, than uh, the cost of uh, all our expenses while we were there. But we like to give offerings because offerings are a practical expression of our compassion. It's something very practical that says, I love you, I care for you, I want what's best for you. Offerings help to support ministries in a practical way. We had a special offering the last couple of weeks for uh, 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 Charmaine Heading and her ministry with persecuted Christians. A very practical way of supporting the ministries to uh, persecuted Christians. And offerings release prosperity and satisfaction. I'm not satisfied with the cause and effect of the principle of tithing and God's provision. I want more. See, I want more. I, I, I've been around the block a few times. And I know that the tithing bit works, but I also know about the offering stuff. There's prosperity, there's extra provision, there's extra satisfaction. There have been trips where we have gone and we're pretty much tapped out. We give what we took along to uh, the apostolic leader because that's what we had committed to do, that's what we were planning to do. And we give that. And Somehow, after we get back, there's blessing. And it's like, wow, God just multiplies. God just provides. God has taken care of things even before we knew we needed it. What is seed giving? One more thing here. The psalmist writes about sowing in tears. And this is where the seed giving comes in. And the picture is, and I've shared this before, but I want to share it again. The picture is of a farmer in the desert in drought. Bring in the harvest. And to be able to have enough seed to be able to plant, to have a harvest the next year. This farmer must keep a sack of seed Whatever the harvest is, corn or wheat or uh, beans or whatever it might be. 
And the farmer must keep a sack of that seed for planting season. And so the farmer takes that and puts it, stashes it somewhere in the house. Somewhere safe, somewhere secure. And the family begins to eat the harvest. This is a picture from back in the day when there weren't, wasn't a cash society where what you raised, what you harvested is what you ate and that's what you lived off of. And so they would ration out the food to make it last for the year and farmer gets to the point where it's time for planting again. And usually by the time that it's time to plant again, it's the seed, uh, the, 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 the harvest is starting to run out. Food is getting a little more scarce. The year has really started to go by. And so the farmer has to make a decision to eat the seed or to use it to plant. Sowing in tears. This is a very simple picture. And the picture is of the farmer with his family out in the field taking this seed that they desperately need for food. And the way they would sow, the way they would plant in that time, it's pretty simple. Just take the seed and throw it out on the dry ground. Can you imagine having hungry children? Having seed in your hand. Having them watching you. And you take the seed and you throw it on the ground. sowing in tears. And you can imagine the tears coming down the farmer's face as he's making a decision for the good of long-term good of his family. Knowing that in the short term they could sure use that to eat. Sowing in tears. Remember, Paul writes, that the person who plants few seeds will have a small crop, and the one who plants many seeds will have a large crop. And God who supplies seed for the sower and bread to eat will also supply you with all the seed you need. And will make it grow and produce a rich harvest from your generosity. He will always make you rich enough to be generous at all times, so that many will thank God for your gifts which they receive from us. The seed planting. It's kind of hard to differentiate between offerings and seed planting sometimes. We say it's an offering when we give the money to apostolic leaders in other countries. It's also seed planting. A special offering that we had for Charmaine Heading and her ministry was seed planting. We're sowing into someone else's Ministry. We're sowing into something that someone else will benefit from, and there's no earthly benefit coming back to us. You see, the tithes that we give here help to pay for the building, um, the, the, the lease on the building, and the air conditioning, and the heat, and, and there's benefit that comes back to us. We give offerings. Offerings, there will be some benefit that comes back to us because it's people perhaps that we know and bless us back. Seed planting is just totally given away. No expectation. Just given. Sowing in tears. But seed planting permits us to reap with the persons in whom we invest in. It helps us keep the recipient focused in his or her call so that they're able to carry out what they're called to do. And just a few tips on investing seed money or time in the kingdom. A couple of things. Invest in people. 
not the program. There are all kinds of programs. Let's say they will help uh, persecuted Christians. And they probably do. I met Charmaine Hetty. In the short period that I met her, in the short period that we had to hear her testimony, knowing the recommendation that we had from Doug and Chris, who have known her a little bit more, and others who have walked with her, she's a person that's worth investing in. Not that the other ministries aren't, but she is worth investing in. Invest in people, not the program. Invest with your heart. We've had a heart for the nations. Have a heart for uh, the uh, persecuted Christians. Uh, a couple years ago, we spent a whole year Sunday mornings praying for the persecuted church. And we'll probably do that again because we have a heart for that. And so it's easy to invest in that because we have a heart for that. And invest for a purpose. If I shared well this morning, you probably have questions. I hope you do. And here's the deal. If anybody wants to talk about this, if anybody has questions, if anybody wants to push me out on anything that I talked about this morning, I invite you to have a cup of coffee with me. The coffee's on me. Uh, and uh, ask away. Ask away. If you have a new question I never heard before, that would be great because I'm still learning. I'm still wanting to learn more stuff and it will cause me to dig a bit more in this, in this area. But it's good to have open conversations about money because money is important. When, when someone gets a new job that pays more, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm probably the, one of the first outside of your family that's going to rejoice in that because I see God's blessing. I see God's response in your life. And it encourages me. I get excited about that. Those who have businesses, when God prospers in ways that are just, just wild, I love those stories of God's wild, uh, uh, his wild prospering in businesses where where the, the, the profit margin is like three and four times what was expected. It's like, whoa, God is good. I, I love those stories. And I especially enjoy walking with anybody who wants to take steps in this direction, who wants to step out of making it on their own, which is our society's value. Once you leave home, you are supposed to make it on your own. To be able to step out of that and to step into God's economy. You all see how Rebecca and I live? We live well. Honestly, we live well beyond what we make. There's no question about it. There's absolutely no question. And we're grateful to God. Because He's blessed. He's provided. He's seen us through. And when we've needed that extra, like in this season, there are just little things that happen that cause us to bless God. Because He's good. He provides. He's never left us nor forsaken us. And I speak about that specifically financially. God is good. So as fathers, as mothers, those who are responsible for their homes, husbands, wives, responsible for the management of finances, It's a very simple invitation for you to ponder in your heart. What else would it take 
for you to fully step into God's economy. Not just make it on your own, but step into God's economy. And check it out and see how that works. I know that talking about money in church isn't often viewed well by some people. I want to tell you something. I love you guys. I want God's best for you. And there's no way I can withhold this kind of stuff because it's so important. It can change your lives. And I want to bless you the best way I know how. By being open in this area. Talk about it. Not only here, but one to one. And let's see what God does as we step more into his economy. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you're the God that provides. We said it so easily, but Lord, we also thank you that You have set principles in place. Principles that are meant to bless us. Principles that will cause us to prosper. Lord, we confess that we've tried to make it on our own. It hasn't worked well. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us how to step into your economy. How to step into that prosperity that you desire for us. Thank you, Lord, that you cause a rain to fall on the just and the unjust. That you set some of these principles in place that are accessible. To anybody and everybody who chooses to follow them. Thank you, Lord, that you are a good father. That you keep your word. And this morning, we thank you that you keep your word related to your economy. And we bless you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to worship.